I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presents the final episode of the season. Big Time Baseball brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Josh Lewin with you. Well-respected baseball insider John Heyman, as always, along as well. And we've been bringing you insight, hopefully, into the top stories across Major League Baseball this entire season. We've been thrilled to do that. It's so hard to say goodbye uh, to yesterday. Boys to men sang it. We're living it. But uh, here we go one last time in Big Time Baseball, part of Radio.com, allowing you to listen to your favorite radio stations free of charge anytime, anywhere. If you're not following yet on Twitter, please do at RDC Sports. And be sure to subscribe to Big Time Baseball on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So, John Heyman, I know this happened a little while ago, but we might as well mention that we have a new World Series champion, 90-odd years in the making. And congratulations to the Washington Nationals, 19-31 and 31 at one point, the worst 50-game record for any World Series champion. So uh, is this just a, a team that was pretty good, that got hot at the right time, or, or how do you explain the Washington Nationals having a parade? Yeah, I think it's a very good team that certainly got hot at the right time. They certainly have huge stars. Uh, Soto was really a coming out party for him nationally. Strasburg uh, proved his medal and his worth. Uh, Rendon, fantastic. Brooks like uh, uh, World Series and postseason. Uh, I, you know, they're they're an excellent team. They have huge stars. Um, you know, they're not a perfect team. I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure there was a perfect team. Uh, on paper, maybe Houston looked like the best team, but uh, this is a really good team. You don't get through these playoffs. You don't beat a 106-win team and a 107-win team without being a really good team. So, you know, I know there are people out there saying that they got lucky, they got hot, but uh, it's an excellent team. I, there's no question about it, and there's nothing wrong with getting hot either. Turns out all you need to do is have your AAA affiliate in Fresno, and it all starts to click into place. The, the, the Giants for the Fresno affiliate in 2014 wow. won a World Series. The Astros in 2017 won a World Series. The Nationals, against all odds, the worst commute in baseball, uh, they go to Fresno and they win a World Series. So, uh, Fresno, you're, you're doing great. Wow. I do want to ask you about, uh, about Max Scherzer, John, because this now – becomes a narrative that, I mean, it's Max Scherzer, it's Mad Max, and, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he's the guy that uh, is able to soldier forward. I mean, the guy can't even put on his own shirt. Uh, and then two days later, he's knocking down a World Series Game 7 win. Uh, I know it sounds a little Hallmark movie channel-ish, 
But uh, that was pretty cool, though, still. I mean, just in terms of a, a sports narrative, to have Scherzer cortisone shot his way into relevance again, that was pretty cool. Yeah, to barely be able to get out of bed and then pitch a couple days later uh, in the Game 7, incredible. I mean, we saw him pitch with a broken nose and two black eyes in the middle of the season. Uh, the guy's not only a great pitcher, but a gamer. It's a, it's a fantastic combination. And, uh, you know, to see the look on his face, I think everybody was pretty excited for a guy who'd come close many times. And we look back at those Detroit teams there were some really excellent teams there with uh, Scherzer and Verlander and Annabelle Sanchez. I mean, uh, they had some excellent, excellent rotation. David Price was there for a while. And you look back at it now, and it had to be frustrating not to bring it home for them and then to be with the Nats and to suffer with a couple of their playoff defeats and finally get the win. Uh, it just it was a great look on his face, and I think a lot of people felt very happy for him. And a bit of a coming out party for Steven Strasburg, and that's kind of a neat narrative, too. I mean, he was painted for so long as this delicate flower, right? I mean, that if Mm -hmm. any little thing goes wrong, he just crumbles. Well, he stood tall against some tall odds, and every time they were backs against the wall, he did his best work. I think a good choice for World Series MVP. And I guess, you know, kind of off in parentheses, too, this storyline that he's coming out of his shell. I mean, you know, in, in the dugout getting part of the group hugs and all of that. And uh, he's growing up a little bit. And and now he's going to be a very, 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 very rich man. (laughs) Well, he absolutely is. He already was. And uh, obviously he's opting out of that or opted out of that 100 million in four years. And uh, they're talking now about the comp being Scherzer, the guy we just talked about, or a Granky. So, uh, you know, the aim seems to be to double that money. You know, normally when somebody opts out, they don't often double the money. Uh, Granky did, though. He went from $70 million or thereabouts. He opted out and got $206 million. So once you're a free agent, all bets are off. You can get anything that you try for. Obviously, he's going to get that qualifying offer. And uh, Washington's going to try hard to bring him back. They're already talking. We shall see um, a lot of teams involved, but you're right. Uh, he definitely had hanging over his head the questions of the durability and the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he threw more innings than anybody this year, uh, second in the league during the regular season in innings, uh, answered the bell, won the absolute game they had to win at Houston, game six. And, uh, you know, I mean, he is going to free agency at exactly the right time. Well, we're going to keep talking about possible free agents uh, as this podcast rolls along. There are a lot of guys just from that World Series that are really, really intriguing. But I don't know how you stick the landing better than Strasburg. I mean, it was two walks against 40 strikeouts his first five postseason starts, and one of those walks was intentional. Uh, Garrett Cole, whether or not it was intentional, uh, he sure seemed to just kind of slip out of Houston and, and into Camp Boris really quickly after that World Series ended, basically put himself in, in you know, gray uh, clothing and said, I, you know, I'm not a representative of the Astros as of this moment. He kind of backtracked after that, but it was kind of a, a weird look and a, an obvious salvo, basically, that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm open for business now. I'm Garrett Cole and, and I'll be out there. So Angels, Cubs, Dodgers, Giants, Phillies, White Sox, whoever, Yankees, obviously, uh, you guys feel free to to ring Scott Boris and let's see what we can do. <laughs> well, he did. He walked it back a bit. I, I think he must have been just very disappointed about the way things turned out at the end. Uh, certainly the team was the favorite. Uh, he gave everything he had and pitched fantastically. They didn't win. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit weird. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, it looked odd. Uh, technically, he was uh, close to correct because uh, by the next morning, he was a free agent. And that's the way it works. And uh you know, obviously, he's going to get a record deal. Uh, David Price has a record now at $217 million. And uh, there'll be, uh, you know, I, there'll probably be more teams for Strasburg in there because, just because Cole is going to be so much money uh, that uh, it's a limited number of teams that probably think they want to pay that record deal. But uh, he, he's going to get it. And, uh, there's no question about it. And uh, he was the best pitcher in baseball this year. Before we go too far down free agency road here, I do want to just get back to the Washington Nationals, who, who I started calling the Washington Zombies towards the end of all this, because <laughs> it just seemed like you, you couldn't kill them off. You know, I mean, every single time it looked like yes. they were going to wipe out, right? I mean, it was five times in the postseason they were down to their last game, and they trailed in every one of those games, and they always found a way. So uh, for, for a guy who had a heart condition, 
is their manager. I mean, that, that can't be good for the old ticker for Davey Martinez, <laughs> but credit where it's due because the Zombies, uh, w- without a great bullpen, mind you, that was supposed to be their undoing. Uh, pretty crazy. They found a way to keep getting it done every time. Absolutely. And it started in the game against the Brewers. They were down three to nothing and came back in a kind of a bad hop uh, past their rookie outfielder of the Brewers and uh, barely escaped that one. But, uh, you know, I just rewatched as I am crazy to do to rewatch game five of the uh, LCS and uh, a Dodger player. I can't remember who hit the ball right to the wall in the ninth inning, uh, five feet further. And uh, they would have been eliminated there. So uh, they came close to being eliminated several times. But as I said, I give them credit. Beating 106 win team, 107 win team, to beat Cole, to beat Verlander, to beat Flaherty, to beat Josh Hader. That's not a guy, easy guy to beat. Uh, right. Really an incredible job by the, by the Nationals. All right. So I'm going to wait, if you don't mind, John. We've got a lot of managerial talk still to do. We'll do that in your insider segment. I, there's just so much with free agency. If you don't mind, I, I want to at least ask you about Anthony Rendon, since we are still kind of talking Washington Nationals now. I think the Rangers would be such a great fit for him. It's close to home and the Rangers are opening a new ballpark. And, you know, uh, Beltre obviously gave them a great third baseman for years. Here's another one. And when you think about Rendon, and he had ankle and shoulder injuries that that probably kept him from being a a top two pick back in the 2011 draft. Still, he was number six, and everybody figured if he can just stay healthy, he's going to be great. Well, he was great this year. 319 batting average, 34 home runs, awesome in the postseason. So what's next for Anthony Rendon? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You reminded me. That's why he wasn't uh, picked second by Seattle. I believe the doctors in Seattle just said no. Uh, he had the ankle issue, and uh, they, you know, obviously uh, went in a different direction. Uh, took the pitcher out of, I believe it was Virginia, who really just finally broke through and uh, made it to the major leagues and pitched in some games for the Cubs this year. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously that was a mistake. Uh, Rendon should have been the second pick in that draft. And uh, I think you're right again. I think Texas is a, a location where he may wind up if he does not resign with the Nats. I, I, there's no reason that he wouldn't want to resign with the Nats, and uh, they're going to give that a shot as well. Uh, they offered uh, about seven years, $210 million late in the year, with deferred money, it seemed like the kind of offer that they gave Harper, which they weren't expecting it to get done. Uh, but now they've got a World Series title. Uh, they've made more money, not that they needed it, but uh, there's so much goodwill around Rendon. And from what I understand, uh, the scouts in the room and the people with the Nats felt that they could absorb the loss of Harper as great and as famous as he is because they had Soto, and we can appreciate why now, and Robles and Eaton, and they, they were set in the outfield. Losing Rendon is going to be much more difficult for them. And I kind of think that he's one of those free agents who's going to re-sign with his old team. We shall see. It happens occasionally. Bernie Williams with the Yankees, going back 20 years now. But every now and then that happens. It's rare. Normally when they get to this stage, they shop and they go to the highest bidder. And he may. Texas, I think, is a good bet. And there are five or six other teams, Angels, Philly, Atlanta among them, that need a third baseman. And, you know, before we leave the Nationals completely, you mentioned Bryce Harper. And uh, I don't know if there's anybody that necessarily feels sorry for Bryce Harper because it's like go cry into a big bag of money, you know, or go look at your SI covers <laughs> and, and you'll, you'll feel much better. But uh, in a weird way, I mean, maybe it's the empath in me. Uh, you know, this, this guy was supposed to be Mr. Washington Nationals. Now, it turned out, and this is kind of a, a cool thing, it was Ryan Zimmerman in the end, the original Mr. National that got to celebrate uh, but Harper, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I had this kind of weird, was, he was like a, a ghost hovering over that whole World Series to me. I mean, a guy that's usually pretty active on social media and is always center cut, center of attention, just kind of disappeared. And I get it. But it was like he got out of the way. The Nationals found a way. And, you know, the Phillies are going to grow old with Harper. I mean, he didn't have a horrible year or anything like that. But, uh, the Phillies sure weren't in the playoffs, and, and now uh, there's a, a White House visit and a parade and all of that, and Harper's not part of it. Well, number one, I don't feel sorry for Harper, and I, I hope nobody does feel sorry for him. Uh, he's got a very good life, and uh, things worked out in Philly in terms of uh, the team, other than the fact they did not make the playoffs. That was a major disappointment, obviously, 
And, uh, you know, he spoke publicly at once uh, during the playoffs, I think, to Jason Stark and said that uh, he's rooting for his old team and uh, he's all fine with it. So he took the mature route. I don't know if that's actually how he felt. I think it would be hard for any of us. But, uh, you know, one player does not make a team. Look, uh, Mike Trout has never won a playoff game. He's the best player in baseball. Uh, That's just not the way baseball works. And occasionally that happens when the superstar leaves. Uh, the team seems to come through. The Nats said they were going to be better in spring training. I was a little skeptical. They were. I give them credit. It's happened before, right? Within Peyton Manning, when he was with Tennessee, they were very good for many years. He left. I think they won the title the very next year with T. Martin as their quarterback. There's my rare college yeah, football. T. Martin is pretty good for you. Well, I, said, I gave the example on a radio show on uh, Joe and Evan, and uh, they brought up T. Oh. Martin after I said that they'd won. I, so I have to give them credit. Right. I, would, I wouldn't have remembered it was T. Martin. But it happens, and uh, well, no one's feeling sorry for Bryce Harper, nor should they. All right, so as, as we talk about uh, some awards that are about to come out, and Bryce Harper is not going to be National League MVP, we know that. Is it going to be Rendon? Uh, do, do people remember Cody Bellinger had 47 home runs? Do they remember Christian Yelich had 44 and an 1,100 OPS before he got hurt? Uh, does a guy like Arenado uh, take some votes away, or Acuna, or Marte? Those guys won't win, but how do you see it coming down in the National League? Yeah, I think Bellinger is going to win. The vote comes right after the season. So there's no postseason that comes into account here. And uh, if you look at the war and you put in the defense and the all-around play, Bellinger was fantastic. Now, second half, he tailed off a bit. Someone might look as Yelich was the best offensive player. Rendon was uh, fantastic, led the league in RBIs. And we saw that defense. Uh, I, I To me, it was almost a revelation. I knew he was a good defender, but uh, he really showed what a good defender he is. He's probably overshadowed a little bit by Arenado and the repu- defensive reputation he has. I, I think it'll be Bellinger. I, I think Yelich will probably come in second, and Rendon will probably come in third. They were all deserving. It's all close. You know, the, they look at the war numbers uh, a lot now, and Bellinger's war number was the best. Uh, I didn't happen to have that vote, so I can freely say I would would have gone with Bellinger. And and American League, John, you know, what, what's funny to me is you've got a couple teams that didn't make the playoffs that have multiple candidates. For example, uh, well, I mean, the, the A's were in. I mean, at least for a minute, they were in. And they had Semyon and they had uh, Chapman. Red Sox didn't make it. They had Bogarts, Devers, and Betts. But uh, I guess it comes down to Trout against Bregman, right? And Trout had the, the 45 home runs, about an 1,100 OPS. Bregman, 41 home runs, 1,100 OPS. You mentioned all this voting takes place before the playoffs begin. Is it Trout or is it Bregman? Uh, I think it, I think it might be Bregman. Uh, I would go. With, I would lean to Bregman if I had that vote. That's where I would have gone. That's a tough one. I think Trout had the little better year, but the fact he didn't finish the season, I do think there are some people like myself who do take into account the impact the guy has in the season. I, I don't like to word it as how his team did. Uh, you know. I, I think it's the impact on the, the season. If the, the story of the season is written, uh, it's written about the Astros, and Bregman is a huge part of that. So I would lean toward Bregman over Trout. That's a close one. Uh, you're right, it's going to be one of those two, and I wouldn't guarantee that Bregman's going to win, but that would be my pick if, uh, if I had that vote. How about Cy Young? I mean, obviously Verlander and Cole, the teammates are the top two to consider. Verlander is seven years older, already has a Cy Young, uh, probably should have won a couple more too. He finished second mm-hmm. in, in uh, 16 and 18. Cole has never finished higher than fourth in the balloting, but it uh, seems to me that he's uh, the perfect candidate. He's also, uh, as we've talked about, about to get supremely rich in free agency or richer, I should say. Do you go Cole <laughs> over Verlander? Because I do. Yeah, I thought the, at the very end that uh, Cole kind of stuck his nose in front. Uh, it's nearly a coin flip, but I, I just felt uh, they were kind of pitching off at, in Anaheim or Los Angeles of Anaheim, whatever you want to call it, that last weekend. And uh, Cole slightly outpitched Verlander, and that had been the trend. I mean, he finished the season with a, something like 10 straight uh, games with uh, 10 strikeouts or more. That wasn't the exact number. I think it was either 9 or 11, but about 10. And he didn't lose a game uh, from late May on. Uh, and I think even though he had that ERA of four in May at one point, I think by the end he had just a bare bit in front. And Verlander will probably, I, in my mind, now he may win. Uh, not everybody's going to vote like you and I see this, but uh, he has a good chance to finish second uh, yet again. And um, 
this time there shouldn't be any complaints. Uh, he has not complained in the past, but I understand his wife stuck up for him a couple of yeah. years ago. And I think she frankly had a, a fair point about that. I thought he deserved it more than Porcello that year. All right. So National League is really interesting to me because, I mean, Scherzer, obviously, and I know you're, you're not supposed to include what happens <laughs> in the postseason, but how can you not remember? Right. Strasburg, same thing. If you go only with regular season, uh, I think guys like Jack Flaherty, uh, I think uh, Hyunjin Ryu should should be remembered for that fantastic first five months that he had. And, and not to be a Mets honk, but, you know, Jacob deGrom in his last 23 starts had a 189 ERA. And the Mets were battling for a playoff berth that whole time. He went seven innings, 12 of his last 13 starts, ended up with, I think it was a 2.43 ERA. So uh, to me, this one seems wide open. Do you lean one way or another? Well, I'm not going to say where I lean because that was my vote. And there are a few people out there who knew who I, who I vote, who, which, which category I had. Not many. I'm not thinking that I'm that big that people are really following that. But I've said it a number you, you of and times. T. Martin. The- you and T. Martin are both pretty big. <laughs> no, T. Martin's bigger than I am by far. Um, so I can't, I'm not going to say where I would go. Um, you know, I think the candidates are exactly the ones that you mentioned. Uh, Flaherty, Ryu. Scherzer, Strasburg, DeGrom, all all fantastic seasons. A case could be made for any of them. One thing about Ryu that isn't cited, his schedule of pitch games was harder than the guys in the East. Uh, for whatever reason, they played, they played the AL East, so he had Boston, he had New York, I think he had Minnesota also, and he also faced Colorado five times, which they hit very well, particularly at home, and Arizona a few times. So I think he's a little bit better than he might get credited for. I'm not saying I voted for him, but uh, they were all fantastic. Scherzer, Strasburg, Ryu, Flaherty, and DeGrom. And, uh, you know, I think based on what I hear out there, not my vote, I'm not going to say my vote, I think DeGrom may win. All right. Well, let let me give you a layup here. Uh, National League Rookie of the Year. And it's funny because, I don't know if you remember this, back in late April, early May, when Pete Alonso and the Mets went out to play the Padres, there was this big showdown, Chris Paddock against Pete Alonso, and, and both guys were flapping their gums a little bit, Paddock more than Alonso. Paddock <laughs> struck out Alonso, and it's like he anointed himself Rookie of the Year right then. Well, uh, as it turns out, 53 home runs later for Pete Alonso, uh, this one is not going to be close. He's the first rookie since 1900 to lead the majors outright in home runs, set the, just smash the Mets' uh, home run record, and I, I don't know how it can't be Pete Alonso, right? Right, and no pitcher. And I, Chris Paddock is a very confident young man. I, I like that about him. But no, no pitcher is in good position to win the Rookie of the Year uh, because rookies, frankly, throw like 120 to 150 innings now. You'd have to be spectacular over that time. There aren't too many rookies that come up and throw 200 innings. And Soroka was fantastic over fewer innings than the guys that we just mentioned. And he may get some Cy Young support. And, uh, you know, we vote for uh, several and not just one uh, for all these categories. So Soroka will get some support. Uh, Tatis, who's incredible talent, one of the best in baseball, will get some support. But I'll, I'll be surprised at this point if Alonzo is not unanimous. He, he was just everything you'd ask for and more. Incredible season uh, off the field as well. But it's on the field where he won this award. And is Jordan Alvarez the guy in the American League? It seems like he probably has to be, right? Unless people are just so Absolutely. in love with John Means or something like that. No. Yeah, John Means, nice year for Baltimore. Give him credit. But yes, Jordan Alvarez, fantastic hitter. It was kind of like the Willie McCovey season where he got rookie of the year for, I think Willie had less than half a year, but Alvarez had a, a, a little more than half a year, I think, and he deserved it. So manager of the year is interesting to me. Uh, American League, you know, what more does Rocco Baldelli have to do? What more does Kevin Cash have to do? A.J. Hinch managed his team to a World Series. That's all pretty good. But Aaron Boone having to, to kind of scotch tape his season together and getting 103 wins out of that, is, is it fair to say that Aaron Boone was juggling the most fire torches during the season and, and that might make him the favorite? He might be. Uh, he had a fantastic season. Obviously, so many guys on the DL, record number of guys on the DL. Bob Melvin always has a good year with the A's. Cash was fantastic. You know, I might, if I, to me, for me, it's a coin flip between Boone and Baldelli, and I might lean Baldelli, but uh, I think I think Boone's probably the favorite. There's just so much uh, talk, and understandably so, around all the injuries they had and all they had to overcome 
but you know, for Minnesota, he got Baldelli got the players to play fantastically. So many guys having career years and improving, and I think part of that is the manager uh, motivating the players. I think it's fair to say that uh, the manager should get credit for that. So I would lean Baldelli, but if Boone wins, I wouldn't argue. All right, last one is National League Manager of the Year, and look, Davey Martinez was all but fired. And then the Nationals finished 74 and 38 and win a World Series. I'm not rooting against Davey Martinez, but in a weird way, John, I think here's where I am on this. I look at Mike Schiltz and Brian Snitker of the Cardinals and the Braves, two teams that made the postseason. And these are kind of the opposite of the current archetype, right? I mean, you know, Rocco Baldelli, young guy, played the game, analytically sound, all of that. You know, Mike Schilt was just an organizational lifer. Ryan Snitter, organizational lifer. There's something charmingly old school about that to me. So I don't know why. I just find myself kind of hoping one of those two guys gets it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is the charming story. And I like to root for the older guys, although one of those two guys is not older than me. So uh, they're still older guys, and they did a great job. Schilt did a fantastic job in St. Louis. Snitker, the one who is older, did a great job with the Braves. Uh, if we counted the playoffs in the World Series and we voted today, it'd probably be Davey Martinez. I'm actually going to go off the board here, and I'm going to say I'd vote for Craig Council if I had that vote. I didn't. I thought he did a fantastic job with the, all the Brewers had to overcome this year. A couple managers that are very recently minted I want to ask you about before we bring on Mark Feinsand and, and talk uh, kind of some big picture stuff with him. Uh, Carlos Beltran, as you and I are recording this right now on a Monday, He's getting introduced, or reintroduced, I guess, is a better way yes. to put it, to, to Mets fans. Uh, he will wear number 15. So if Tim Tebow ever gets called up, uh, I guess Tebow has to get a different number at, at that point. Uh, Terry <laughs> I think we may, away, we may be a ways from that at this well, point. Well, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, but Terry Collins, of all people, might still be hanging around. And it's not clear whether or not he'll actually be a bench coach or just an advisor. But I'm so thrilled that, to hear that the Mets still value, that Carlos Beltran still values uh, an old-school guy like Terry Collins, who I thought got a raw deal in the first place when he was asked to leave that managerial post. But what what do you see now with with the Mets? I just want to real quick read you one quote that that I I took out of that press conference that that was happening just a little while ago. They asked the general manager, they they asked Brody Von Wagenen uh, about, you know, just kind of the dynamics going forward. And, and to me, the money quote was, he said, it's important for all of us to feel we could exhale when we walked into the manager's office. We didn't want to inhale in anticipation of the conversations. We wanted to feel welcome. Does that mean that, I mean, is that like a shot at Joe Girardi? Is that saying that Carlos Beltran is just going <laughs> to be like, you know, hey, whatever, guys, whatever you want, you know, you're, you're the boss. I, I, I'm trying to kind of untangle that quote because it, it's a weird quote to me. Yeah, I, I didn't hear it that way, but you're you're good. You're a very good listener. That might be the case. I mean, it did not appear that Girardi was going to get this job. He obviously, uh, while well, they were still deciding, he went with Philly, which welcomed him with open arms and wanted him and ma- made him the number one choice. I think with Girardi, from what I heard, their interview did not go great with the Mets. And uh, he felt, I guess he told other people this, that uh, you know he was having to sell himself, whereas the Phillies were selling them on coming and so it was pretty clear to Girardi and probably why he quit USA uh, Baseball, uh, feeling that he was going to have a job is the way the Philly interview went and not the Met interview. Uh, it's a little surprising that the Mets went for inexperience and their last four or five, even six candidates, if you count uh, the two in-house candidates, they all uh, lack permanent major league managing experience. Uh, a couple guys were interim. Uh, Pat Murphy was an interim uh, Tim Bogar was an interim, but they went for the inexperienced route. And, you know, that is the buzzword today is collaborative. And now while Carlos Beltran is a huge star and is extremely accomplished, is a major leaguer, uh, you know, he, he is not an experienced manager. And he they both kind of mentioned this on, in the press conferences that he's got things to learn and he understands that. And uh, that was one of the things they liked about him, that he knows what he doesn't know. And uh you know, I mean, there are obviously a lot of positives to Carlos Beltran. Uh, he's obviously a great major league player. He's a smart guy. But uh, to me, in New York, a first-time manager is a huge gamble. They did gamble with Mickey Calloway. Uh, 
I think he did better than maybe they think. I don't know. He improved. They went from 70 wins to 76 or so, then to 86. Uh, he was good with the clubhouse. He was not great with the strategy. Uh, it's hard to know what you're going to be good or great or maybe not so great with if the guy has never done it. So uh, being that this is New York, this is his first time managing at every level, I, I think this is a big gamble. One more before we get to Mark Feinsand here, and then your insider segment, John, will we'll close the show. Uh, Jace Tingler was introduced as the Padres manager. To me, the biggest takeaway is I gave him a brown and yellow uniform, which is great. <laughs> They're going to bring, bring in the colors back finally. But uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be Ron Washington, uh, experienced guy. Nope, they go with Jace Tingler instead. And I guess the, the ties to A.J. Preller from back in, in Texas kind of swung the vote. Yeah, I, well, I think a lot of people did think that, but if they listen to our podcast, we were saying Jace Tingler had an excellent chance uh, every time uh, Ron Washington seemed to be getting all the publicity. And it, you're right, it is the tie to Texas. He had it to both guys, but he wanted Tingler. He wants to go with his guy. I think there's a lot of pressure on A.J. Preller and the Padres. Uh, I know that uh, uh, the ownership is not thrilled with the way things have gone lately, and uh, they want to see results. And so he wants to get his guy. If he's going to go down, he wants to go down with his guy. Not to say that he will go down. Padres are going to – they've spent the last couple of years, and they're going to continue to spend from all indications, and they're going to go for it. Uh, so I, I understand why you got Jace Tingler. I'm not that surprised by it. I am surprised. Now, what Bobby Dickerson is a loved infield coach to come in and have another inexperienced guy without major league managing experience – uh, be the assist guy for a guy without a major league managing experience. I think that is a, a gamble. I mean, I, I, I can't even believe it that they've, they've done this. I, Bobby Dickerson's a great coach. Uh, people love him, but to have him be the bench coach for Jace Tingler, uh, you know, I, I think they're taking an unnecessary risk there. There are a lot of major league managers, uh, experienced guys without jobs uh, at this point. We saw Jim Riggleman and I think he did a good job with, Mickey Calloway, and he's managed for, I believe, is it six teams now? There are a lot of guys out there who would be happy to be a bench coach, and uh, I didn't quite get that uh, for that role. Dickerson, great coach, but to be the bench coach for Jace Tingler, uh, that's double the risk. All right, we're going to keep going with some off-season storylines now that we're into the off-season. Mark Feinsand joins us in just a moment. Hey everyone, Cody Decker from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about Hims. You know, I've been taking Hims now for a couple of months now. My hair has been growing back thicker, fuller than it has been in years. Baseball did everything it could to try and take my hairline away, and now, thanks to Hims, I'm getting it back. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and me being 32, it was time to get 4Hims.com. They are your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. This Black Friday, secure the best deal of all, a healthier, thicker hairline. This Thanksgiving, when your relatives say, healthy and full, they're finally talking about your hair and not the turkey. No more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. 4Hims connects you with real doctors online which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. Answer a few quick questions online and a doctor will review and they'll determine whether or not Hims is right for you. Order now and our listeners can get started with a Hims Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today right now while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval. See full website for details and safety information and that website, 4Hims.com slash swings. So we bring on Mark Feinsand, the, the uh, executive reporter for MLB.com, who recently did a really nice job talking about every team's biggest off-season need. We don't have time to go one through 30 here, but we do have time to hit some highlights for sure. And Mark, first of all, thanks for joining us. Uh, who I, I guess who were the teams that, I mean, if you were to, to whittle this down, if they said, we don't want you writing about 30, we only want you writing about three or four. Who are the three or four teams that are most intriguing to you for what's going to happen this offseason? I mean, I think you have to look at the contenders because, you know, obviously all of the uh, rebuilding teams have needs, but not necessarily that are going to help them uh, going into 2020. Uh, you know, the Yankees certainly stand out with their pitching situation. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Garrett Cole. Will he wind up in New York? Uh, a lot of people think he's going to wind up in Southern California, but the Yankees are going to have to find a – uh, you know, at least one arm to add into that rotation uh, that's going to make an impact. Uh, so I think they're, they're certainly a team that you look at. Um, you know, the, the Mets with their bullpen uh, has certainly been a, a team that, that stands out as well. They were, uh, you know, certainly certainly in the mix, in that wild card mix going into 
uh, you know, the late part of the season. Uh, but their bullpen was an issue all year long. Same with the Red Sox, with their bullpen uh, and their rotation for that matter. Um, so I, I think you look at the contending teams and those are the ones that, um, you know, that stand out to me. Hey, Mark, John Heyman here. And uh, Mark, if uh, most of you I'm sure know, uh, some of you may not, is really one of the best uh, insiders going in terms of uh, where teams, uh, what teams may get which player. And I'm going to put you on the spot right here. I know it's early. We're early in the uh, offseason and uh, no one's going to hold you to this. But uh, I'm going to give you the top four. Uh, Where do you think these guys are going to go? Now, uh, top three are obvious. Cole, Rendon, Strasburg. You know, Mad Bum, to me, he gets left out of the discussion a little bit, but he's won, he's won three championships for the Giants, so I'm not sure why he is, but uh, he's also a pretty good, pretty good pitcher. So Cole, Rendon, Strasburg, Mad Bum, where, where to? Well, as we just said, Cole, I think, you know, the Southern California teams are going to make a big play for him. I think he's going to wind up with the Angels. That's a team that, that needs a guy like him to lead their rotation uh, as badly as anybody out there. You know, we, we keep talking every year about how they're wasting Mike Trout's prime and he has to get back to the playoffs. And I think adding a big horse at the top of the rotation would really set the tone for the rest of that team. Uh, obviously, he grew up 10 minutes from the stadium there, so it would be a homecoming for him. Uh, and Artie Moreno, I think, understands that um, – you know, you, you've invested all this money in Mike Trout. If you don't build a, a contending team around him, uh, it's really going to be a waste. So I think Cole does wind up with the Angels. Strasburg, I think, winds up back with the Nationals. I know, John, you reported that the two sides are already, uh, you know, working towards a new contract. So I don't think anybody would be surprised. And, uh, you know, you look at the Nationals' payroll structure, they were already counting $25 million a year for Strasburg going forward. So even if he gets a raise up to 30 or so, uh, it's just going to be – uh, essentially a well-earned raise for him versus adding a $25 million player, you know, straight out to your payroll. So uh, I think Strasburg likes it there. Obviously the nationals want him back as well. They should given what he did this season and what he's done for several years. And then obviously this October, he was just a monster for them. And, uh, you know, he's a creature of habit. I think he wants to be back there. So I think the two sides will make that happen. Rendon's the most interesting to me because I think the nationals want him back. I think all things being equal, he would like to go back there. Um, but can they afford to, to give him what he's going to want and what he's going to get? He's going to have a lot of suitors out there. Uh, we hear about Texas all the time with him. He's obviously a Houston native. And uh, while it's not Houston, it's Dallas or Arlington. But I think uh, the idea of going back to Texas to open a brand new ballpark and be sort of the face of a Texas franchise is probably an appealing thought to him. And that team's going to spend some money going into this offseason uh, with that new ballpark opening. Uh, there are several other teams. The Phillies are a team you have to watch for Rendon. Uh, if I had to guess right now, I would guess the Rangers. Uh, but I would say they're one and the Nationals would be 1A because uh, one year after letting Bryce Harper leave for Philly, I just think it would be it would be a, even with the World Series championship, it would be a bad sign for uh, for them to let their their franchise player go for a second straight year. Bumgarner, uh, he's a tricky one to me. I think there's a good chance he winds up back in San Francisco. I think when they didn't trade him this summer, there was a, a thought that that they were going to try to resign him. They know what he means to that team and to that city and the fan base. Uh, like you said, he's still a very good pitcher uh, who can you know be be a factor in that in that in that division in that team. Uh, so I think the Giants are going to try to resign him, but I think they will have a lot of competition. I think a team like the Yankees, if they don't end up getting Cole, will look to that second tier of, of pitching free agents with, with Bumgarner, with Zach Wheeler, um, Odorizzi, Ryu, and try to land one of them. So I don't think it's going to be easy or cheap for the Giants to get Bumgarner back. But if I had to guess right now, early November, I would uh, I'd say that he goes back to the Giants. Mark Feinstand visiting with us. And Mark, last year, uh, I guess kind of the, the money quote, so to speak, was the Phillies talking about spending stupid money. And you know, they, they certainly tried to, and they succeeded in some measure, at least in terms of outlay. Is there a team that we're not thinking of or talking about that might be one of those stupid money teams? Uh, I mean, the, the White Sox or anybody else that you can see that, that just decides, you know what, nobody's talking about us and we're going for it. I could see the White Sox being in that category. We've talked about their rebuild for you know three or four years now, and when you get to this point, it's okay. The rebuild should be coming to an end, and you should be contending. Uh, and that division is very winnable. The Twins had a great season, but they had a lot of things go right. The Indians are not a team that's going to go out and spend a lot of money. So the White Sox could use their financial might to, to bring in a couple of free agents and really try to supplement that young core of players they have. Uh, I mentioned Texas. I think they're a team that – 
people sort of overlook that could spend big this winter, uh, given the new ballpark. And I think the other team to look at is one that's spent big in the last two years uh, on on two big contracts, and that's San Diego. Uh, you know, they've brought in Hosmer, they've brought in Machado, they've got Tatis, obviously, as one of the up-and-coming stars in the game. They've got a lot of good players out there. They need pitching. And I think those five or six pitchers that we mentioned, the Padres could make a big run at trying to bring one of them in. I think if, if Strasburg was to leave Washington, San Diego would be the favorite to get him. He's from there, and I think they'd be willing to spend the money to bring him in. Uh, but if they can't get him, I could see them making a play for Bumgarner. I could see them making a play for Wheeler, uh, somebody like that. Um, so I, I think I think Texas, San Diego, and the White Sox are probably three sort of uh, you know next level teams that could could take that jump. Mark, I'm absolutely with you on San Diego. They've done it the last uh, few off seasons, and I, I think they'll do it again. They absolutely need pitching. I think Bumgarner might be a good call there. Keuchel, maybe Strasburg from San Diego. Uh, White Sox, I'll have to see it to believe it. They threaten every year to do it, and uh, I can't remember the last guy they signed after Albert Bell. I'm sure there was somebody, but uh, it's been a, it's been a while for the White Sox to really go out. They've tried, but they have really not uh, paid uh, what's necessary. I'm going to take you back to the season a little bit. We we've been discussing whether the Nats are great or we're just hot. What's your take on that? And also, I'm hoping you'll side with me on this one. Uh, few do. I like the one-game wild card. Uh, maybe I'm the only one, but my position on that is often teams play 162 and they end up winning by one anyway. And in the World Series, it's often one game that separates them. So it doesn't bother me that it's two teams that uh, were on the fringe of deserving to make it anyway, having to play one game. But I, I'm almost alone on this one, I think. Uh, well, John, you'll be happy to hear I am with you on this one. I love the one card thank you you know we've seen it how many times have we seen it where teams fight 162 they end up tied in their division and then they play a one-game playoff it keeps more teams in the mix as deep into the season as possible is good for the game it's good for fans uh you know the idea that that you have teams who may have been out of their division you know by july but they still have a reason to play and there's still something to play for and i think there should be a penalty for being the wild card. And that's the one game playoff. I remember, uh, I think it was 2000, I want to say five or six, the Yankees and Red Sox were neck and neck coming down the stretch, but both of them knew that whoever didn't win the division was going to be the wild card team. And they had a series of Fenway to end the season. And both teams rested their players because it didn't matter. There was no penalty. The only penalty was one home game basically. Uh, but you knew you were getting that best of five series and uh, it was more worth it for them to rest their players down the stretch. Now you see teams having to pitch their ace on the final day of the season uh, or, or in the wild card game that puts them at a real disadvantage if they were to win that game when they get to the postseason and they're without their top starter, you know, going into that division series. So uh, I think there still should be some greater value in winning the division. And to me, the, the two team wild card race uh, really stresses that. Mark Feinstein, great stuff as always. Keep up the great work. Uh, always a solid read. Thank you for your time, man. Enjoy the off season, such as it is. I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks. All right. That's Mark. Let's get right back to John, the insider segment to close things out. We'll do it right here. By finishing up with John Heyman's final insider segment of the calendar year. I'm going to miss this segment because we always learn a lot. Uh, so the the not too many openings that still exist as of right now, John, and depending on when people download the podcast, maybe these have closed already, but uh, the Giants, as we record this, need a manager, the Pirates need a manager, and a general manager. I know Dave Dombrowski is just sitting out there looking for work, and uh, you know, if, if you're looking to turn around a team quickly, uh, I don't know if you can do better than that. Who else is Pittsburgh looking at uh, for both GM and manager? Yeah, a lot of veteran names and good ones have come out. Uh, Dombrowski included, Dan Duquette, who was in Baltimore and uh, ran two other teams before that, Montreal and uh, the Red Sox. Uh, his name has come out, Tony LaCava, longtime executive. His name is out. But I, I think Pittsburgh would probably lean toward uh, one of the younger up-and-coming up guys. That's been the trend now to, to go for a, a young Ivy League guy who's analytically um, uh, has a big analytical bent and uh, is familiar with all the numbers. So I, I think they'll go that way, but it's hard to know. They have Travis Williams now as team president. He came from the Islanders before that he was with the Penguins and uh, he's got a good rep, but he's not a baseball guy. So we don't know who he is connected to. Uh, and uh, in terms of manager there, you know, I wouldn't say they're starting again. They'd interviewed him probably close to 10 guys. I heard Derek Shelton had a great interview. Now, obviously, Neil Huntington, the GM, is not there anymore, but 
there were about 14, 15 guys in the room and there were perceptions made. So uh, I could see Derek Shelton potentially uh, as a Pittsburgh guy, a bench coach for the Twins, a finalist for the Mets job. So that would be my probably a, a, an early choice there. Uh, and the Giants, uh, the other team with the manager to go, you know, Gabe Kapler has the longtime connection uh, with Farhan Zaidi. So I, I think he's probably the favorite at this point. Uh, Pedro Grafal, a well-respected coach from the, the Royals, and Joe Espada, the bench coach with the Astros, who was a terrific coach, uh, also in the running. And um, McCulloch, who's a uh, Dodgers a farm guy and is beloved by the Dodgers, uh, certainly knows Farhan. Uh, he may be, you know, kind of the dark horse candidate right now. So I think we have three or four candidates there. And I think Kapler, if I had a call favorite there, I would guess him. Let me ask you about, because uh, you mentioned the, the whole Ivy League bent now. I mean, Boston had, to me, the, you know, the, the most interesting opening at GM. And they went with a, a very smart guy and Chaim Bloom from the Tampa Bay Rays. What do you make of the Red Sox? I mean, I don't know if, if Boston is going to tolerate a teardown and rebuild, and I don't think that's really where they're going. But uh, depending on J.D. Martinez and if they can do something long-term for Mookie Betts, I mean, it's possible. If they go forward without Mookie and without J.D. Martinez, that kind of sounds like a bit of a teardown, doesn't it? If I mean, mm. if they don't have those two guys. Yeah, it might be a modified rebuild, kind of like the Yankees did, try to do it on the fly and do the best you can. Uh, it might not be that easy. It's hard to see it from here, but that's why they got Heim Bloom, who's terrific with the Rays. Obviously, the Rays uh, succeeded on a shoestring, didn't win a World Series, but boy, they gave Houston fits and uh, they won 90 plus games the last two years. So you can see why they did pick Heim Bloom. And he's, got a, he's got some tough questions here. I mean, Mookie Betts, one of the best players in the game. Uh, one year to go before free agency. Uh, it's going to be tough to lock him up. He's basically said he's intent on becoming a free agent. Uh, so he, he's going to be mentioned in trades. I, I'm here to, to tell you today, I'm going to be still going to be surprised if they trade Mookie Betts. I think they'll try to win it this year and uh, see what they do. But it, it's difficult to let go of a player of that caliber uh, with one year to go, just because, first of all, you're losing one of the best players in the game. But second of all, uh, he's on a one-year deal. He's going to be making $25 million or something like that. And what are you? What exactly will you get for him? You're not going to get uh, even $0.50 cents on the dollar. You know, you might get close to $0.50 cents on the dollar, but teams have not really loved doing that. Uh, you know, I think if someone's going to make a trade of a superstar, it might be the Indians with Lindor, two years to go. You could get, I think, a lot for Lindor, and maybe Lindor could sign with a team that trades for him. Betts is intent on being a free agent, so it's a one-year deal, and I'm going to anticipate we're going to hear a lot of talk about Mookie Betts, that they're going to keep him. Let me ask you about another big name from the American League. What's the latest on Frankie Lindor in Cleveland? Yeah, Lindor, I, I think that they'll shop him. They'll have to consider that pretty seriously. Uh, with two years to go, superstar, um, it's impossible really to see the Indians being able to come up with $300 million to sign for Francisco Lindor. So uh, I think that there's a good chance that Lindor will be traded. I would say bets to me. I think it would be not a good chance that he's traded. We're going to hear about it, but I, I still see him in Boston for this year. All right, last one for you, John, because this is our last podcast for a good long time. Uh, general managers meetings and then the winter meetings. If you had to, to guess, uh, and obviously there's a collective bargaining thing kind of hanging out there too, uh, over the next several months, kind of big picture stuff, what, what do you uh, prep us for? What, what do you see being... Uh, you know, if Major League Baseball ends up being in the news ahead of the NFL or the NBA over the mm -hmm. next few months, what would be the things that we're talking yeah. about? Well, they're going to be, I mean, obviously this is a big free agent year. There are big free agents to sign. And I think from what I hear, teams are being more aggressive earlier than they have been in the past. And I don't know whether that's because MLB would like to see the winter meetings be a big hit. I know they were a little discouraged last year, weren't a lot of uh, big signings and maybe Teams have been encouraged to maybe speed it up a little bit. Last year took forever. I know that the agents often get blamed, and perhaps there's something to that uh, for these guys taking a long time to sign, uh, not getting what they wanted, and uh, signing in February, late February, as Harper did. And then, of course, we had Kimbrell and Keiko who waited till the season. 
Uh, I don't think we're going to have that this time. I think we have free agents who may stay with their teams, Rendon and Strasburg. I'll be shocked if the Nets don't keep at least one of them. They certainly have the money. They've got the richest owner in baseball, the Lerner family. And uh, obviously they did pretty well winning the World Series. So uh, I think uh, one of the, at least one of them is going to stay, maybe both. And uh, we mentioned uh, Rendon could be Texas. I think people know that San Diego could be Strasburg. I think the Angels will be in there pitching uh, for pitchers, as they should be. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a a very, very interesting uh, signing period. I mean, not only those guys, Cole, Rendon, and Strasburg, you've got Ryu, you've got Castellanos, you've got Azuna, Madison Bumgarner, who's won three World Series. That's a pretty big signing whose name we don't hear because it's kind of overshadowed by – the guys who were in the World Series, uh, Cole, Rendon, and Strasburg. So, uh, and uh, we shall see about J.D. Martinez. He has a decision to make today, and uh, he could add to it as well. Well, that's where we end it for now, John. You and I have a lot to, to just kind of sit back and, and relax from, uh, not the least of which is as of this recording, our Northwestern Wildcats have won one game all year. Uh, that was against UNLV back in September. <laughs> They've been outscored 108 to six the last three games. So uh, we we have no Northwestern football to go and enjoy. Uh, we do have a limited baseball off season to enjoy before it kicks up again, and then we start making some news. And, and when there is news, we'll be back to uh, to do more podcasts. But I just want to say, buddy, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I knew it would be. We, we've done 30 odd. Uh, podcast here and it's been a lot of fun thank you for everything dude it's been awesome thank you so much josh and i I really appreciate your quirky sense of humor i hope everybody else does too i think they do nah probably not that's (laughs) but that's okay (laughs) to thine own self be true uh, a famous man once said (laughs) there you go again yeah all right for john Heyman, this is the quirky josh lou and we appreciate our guests (laughs) all year as well and our our great producers and uh, mike d and everybody at uh, at radio.com who helped make this thing a reality and uh, certainly our our fine sponsor as well Uh, don't forget about that 2019 mercedes-benz a-class for john Heyman, this is josh lewin thanks guys you guys made this possible because you downloaded it otherwise it's just me and john talking so uh, until next time this is josh lewin take care this has been a presentation of radio.com sports It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.